When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with Doug Sprinthal. Andy Brant Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We'll be back with more of the Tom Bernard Show right after this. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. And now, from Walzer Chevrolet, sitting in studio, Doug Sprinthal. (laughs) We're actually going to talk about Walzer Polar Mazda. Brand-new dealership right across the street uh, on Highway 61 from Walzer Chevrolet up in White Bear. So we learned something interesting this week. I got told by the marketing to talk about the soft opening of the new Mazda store. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to Tom, who was in the restaurant business a little bit. Um, that that other guy, <laughs> and I said, aren't soft openings where you give food away for free to your friends so you can make sure that everything works? And he goes, yes. I said, well, apparently we have free cars to celebrate the opening of wow. our newest Mazda store up in Highway 61. I was told this morning that that's not true. It's not true. Oh. But it's still a cool dealership. If you're in the market for Mazda, go up there and see Brett and everybody. It's a, it's a beautiful spot. So that's my commercial. No free cars. No free cars. <laughs> no soup for you. <laughs> All right, Walzer Chevrolet, walzer.com. This is the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader sitting in. Tom will be back on Monday, I believe. Yep. Right? Monday? Back yeah, another vacation. God, that guy's lazy. When you're, uh... So what is he doing in Chicago? It's some, um, he's on a panel speaking to, it sounds like a, basically a bunch of morning DJs from around the country about how to be groovy in the radio business. Yeah, some like oh. workshop or yeah. something. It's a work, Tom Bernard, how, huh. to be how to be groovy. Which actually would be pretty good. I'd like to see yeah. that. So I told him he should show up drunk. <laughs> no, he hasn't had a drink in five or six years, but that'd be pretty funny. Yeah. I hate all you people. Or just do as. Uh, yeah, it might not be that funny. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you could do his uh, imitation of Orson Welles. Oh, Harry, Harry Carey, mm-hmm. too. Then Harry Carey. He'd be big out there yeah, for that. would be big. Uh, we've got uh, got an interesting show and some uh, interesting guests lined up today. A little bit later on, Willis Morgan is going to join us. I've, I've talked to him on my shows a few times. Willis has a really unique theory regarding the disappearance of Adam Walsh. Did we have him on before? 
Ooh, I don't believe so. No. no. I'm I'm curious as to what it is, but I also is it a spoiler alert if you tell us? Uh, no. Okay. I mean it's he's pretty out there with it and, and it's been out there. Well, you know Adam Walsh Alex who, Jones killed him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it was a false flag deal. Uh no, he um you know, Adam Walsh vanished, I think it's like 35 God, years it ago had to now. be. It was a shopping center in Florida, wasn't it? Right. 81. Yeah. 81? Yeah. So he vanishes from like a Sears, I think it was, yeah. uh, in the mall. And all the speculation. And, and they kind of closed the, believe it or not, it took till I think it was in mid-2000s uh, before they ended up uh, settling on who they believed did it. Uh, I think it was right around when they passed that, wasn't it like a bill or something? That uh, John Walsh had some, Bill Clinton, I believe, signed it in, or George W. Bush. I can't remember. The Adam Walsh Act, I think? Yes, I think that's what it was. It was right around that time, I believe. That's when they kind of had a set. Yeah. And they went and they, they, they hung it on this guy, Otis Tool. And Otis Tool was a. Oh, they actually killed him? Self reported uh, serial killer. And and made all these grand claims, and he worked supposedly along with Henry Lee Lucas, huh. another serial killer that was on the loose. But it turns out that not too far away from this whole thing was Jeffrey Dahmer. You're kidding? Yeah, and Dahmer, who was known to behead uh, his victims, but and, and weren't, do weren't they things. usually late adolescents or, or young adults? He was a, a killer by. Uh, Circumstance. He was because opportunist. Yeah, they believe that he he had killed women as well when he was in the service. He killed. They believe he's killed a lot more than the story tells right now. So Willis Morgan is going to come on and share some of the insights regarding that story and and shows how. I mean, he's he's put together in my opinion. That's why I'm bringing him on this yeah. show as well. No, I, I think he's put together probably one of the most compelling arguments for it. And he was a witness. He saw Dahmer personally at the mall that day and has connected with others who had experiences with Dahmer at the mall. Uh, so there's there's a lot to be said about it, and we're going to chat about that. And, and a little bit later on, Paul Seaburn is going to join us in this hour. And a funny guy, he's right for uh, Jay Leno. And I've heard of him. Yeah, he's got a book called A Wife's Little Instruction Book, Your Survival Guide to Marriage Without Bloodshed. <laughs> I so. could have used that. Would have come in handy a couple of times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doug looks at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, honey, this is just—it's uh, a bridging moment. It's a—it's yes. a learning experience for both of us. So we've got—we uh, got that going on uh, a little bit later on. And I don't know who's our other guest. We have coming. Um, I have to put the information in. Uh, his name is David. So I can't no, remember. Like it. Well, no, he did a live. Um, uh, like an aerial thing over Yellowstone Park. It was for Nat hmm. Geo or Discovery. And he actually told me they had to stop filming and do a search for somebody that was lost in Yellowstone. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Very I don't, cool. And I don't know if the California wildfires are affecting that area as well. You, you ever know, been like, to Yellowstone? No, I would like to go. So here's what they don't tell you, because it's basically you're on top of the world's largest active volcano. Right. All the springs, and it's not just Old Faithful. They're all over the place. It smells like sulfur. I mean, it smells like ass. The whole park does. <laughs> wow. And when you drive in, you'll be looking, oh, where's bison? Where's a bison? And you'll see the first one, and you get all excited. It's mm. pinching its nose because it smells like 8, sulfur. 8,000 bison later. It's oh. like, I've seen enough bison. Yeah. It is worth. It is a cool place to well, go. Well, they have, it's like, very those hot springs and yeah. all that yep. stuff. That's probably why it smells that's so bad. That's the sulfur. Bad. Yep, that's yeah. what it is. Don't they have, like, those sulfur... Um, wading pools like those hot springs where you can go and sit in it i i think that's uh, that's right i remember that uh theodore not theodore franklin roosevelt used to vacation in georgia at hot springs because he was you know had polio mm -hmm. and all kinds of physical problems I heard that, yeah the the hot springs water has yeah. good um healing properties in it and it's good for your like skin yeah or... he's dead though so maybe it's just a <laughs> Maybe it's not true. Should I ask <laughs> not him? the best advertisement yeah. you're saying, Doug? Of course, he'd be 136 if he was alive today. So. Well, I know, I've been to Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and they were talking about the healing and medicinal properties mm -hmm. of these waters. You know what already, always baffled me about this? And uh, Andy, maybe you know more about this because you have a mind for medicine and everything medical, but uh, these hot springs, you're going in with every kind of disease known to man. And then you're sitting in a big bowl of stew. <laughs> right. And then you get out, it's and like then the next guy dish. jumps into yeah. it. Right. Now, is it that it was it was hot enough? See, because it couldn't be hot enough to kill the bacteria and germs. No. Because it would kill you. Yeah. 
So you're basically, this is why I don't take baths. Well, the Yellow Spring Hot Stone. Sitting in a big bowl of me soup is not my idea of fun. Okay, now let's go for that. (laughs) The Yellowstone Hot Springs are... Like, they're part of a river, so they're constantly flowing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's less gross in that regard. Yeah, you can't sell me on it. Still, so knowing you don't that hang all out of these... the hot tub at the Motel 6? Uh, you know what? I will, on occasion, I, I'll sit in a hot tub, but it's usually reluctantly and, yeah. and uh, only if I'm really hurting. Yeah. Mm. But the idea of, uh, like, lepers and every it. kind of disease-ridden person would jump into these hot springs yeah. hoping to get some kind of healing. I got to guess that was spreading disease. Yeah, Maybe doing more I, I damage, but you don't hear about, about that. that. But yeah, well, it's because they're all dead. <laughs> right? It's like Roosevelt. <laughs> Is that how breaks down? That's probably what it took him. Well, there are some hot springs that are hot enough to kill bacteria, like uh, the one that this guy fell into that melted him immediately, that dissolved his body. Yeah, yeah. so that's big too. That'll yeah. cure you. How he many didn't touch anything though? No, <laughs> no, he was clean, yeah. purged. There's uh, how many people die from that a year? It's like an I alarming think a lot number. because yeah, yeah they like. Well, sometimes they, like, assume that they can get in, and they just, like, jump in, and that's that. And sometimes, you know, I have an idea. Don't be drunk around a pool of water that's, like, 400 degrees. You are such a killjoy, Andy. Yeah. You and your logic. Who's got time for that? Yeah, I don't uh, don't think that's a good idea. I know there was a lady uh, a couple years ago they were talking, and she and her brother were visiting. I think it was Yellowstone. And he was standing dangerously close to the mm-hmm. lip of one of these hot springs. And while she he was doing the selfie, fell backwards into it. And she had to just stand there and watch her brother. Well, yeah, because what are you going to do? You can't get in or you'll die too. Yeah. 200 degrees. Well, if you were really fat, you could take off your belt. <laughs> You'd have to do be, an Indiana to Jones? Be really long, though. Yeah. You'd have to be super big. Yeah, I don't think by the time you hit that water, I'm pretty sure there's nothing coming out of there that's going to be good anyway. Yeah. Oh, here we go. 23-year-old, yes. he just walked off the boardwalk into the at the uh, hot spring, so we probably alcohol. 22nd on record. So, Jeez. I wonder not, how many people die every year because of selfies. Oh, a lot. I bet it's a lot. A lot. It's, there are actually a there lot of selfies. There was a video deaths. that they pieced together a couple of years ago. It was one of those clickbait videos, but... Uh, it was like they just showed all these people, and the last picture on their phone was them doing some stupid selfie, and then they were leaning over the edge of the Grand Canyon or leaning over the edge of a waterfall yep. and and uh, taking out Darwin's way, I guess. But uh, The list of selfie-related injuries and deaths. The first one was in 2011, so there you go. Fads kill. Huh. Uh, but, yeah, it's almost entirely falls. They yeah. take a selfie on a cliff and then they just fall off because they get. Well, I imagine some people walk in front of cars. Yeah, there are some transport-related deaths, like someone hit a, <sighs> someone got hit by a train while she was taking a selfie on train tracks. How yeah. can you not hear that? Right. Come on. Right. That I don't understand the people that. Or do you think you're going to duck out in just the last second you're right. watching? Yeah, I it, think they do. And maybe the camera is giving you a bad perception of just how close yeah. the train is getting. Well, yeah, because the camera's delayed slightly. Ding, 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 so. ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's mostly falls and getting hit by almost all trains. Hmm. I think you need to play Dumb Ways to Die. Dumb Ways to Die. Have you heard that song? Mm-hmm. My kids were addicted to that song. It was big on YouTube a few oh, years yeah. ago. And it's funny, It's it, but it's all the dumb ways to die and matches up. Hmm. But that's got to be one of the worst, right? You're just to trying to take a up. photograph and something horrible comes along. Although there's... You know, talking about weird moments. How about when Fabio took the pigeon to the face? Oh, <laughs> I didn't know when he was on a roller coaster. Oh, it was really yeah. like the grand opening. I think it was like a goose. I love wow. the fact though that it was the... a goose. Uh, was it was it? something big. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, it was a goose. Oh my god! He got yeah. hit in the face with a goose 19 years ago on a roller coaster, and he like. He's... Yeah, he's got, like, blood all over yeah. his face, and the girl next to him has got, like, her arm up on his shoulder and arm, and she's, like, laughing and smiling. Mm. It is pretty funny, but it's this, not fatal, right? Right. Yeah, he just it got this been. stoic look on his face with blood all over blood, it. Blood, blood and that feathers. Feathers. <laughs> only look, isn't it? It's yeah. actually probably good that it was a goose because they're so fat. It's like yeah, getting hit by a pillow. Get hit in the face with something that weighs 15 pounds. No, but no. I mean, if it was like a... I'd, maybe a robin. Yeah. Maybe a... A hummingbird. Ow, a what hummingbird. Was that, right? Well, as long as it's not facing towards you. Could you imagine? You're on a roller coaster. Hummingbird. You start to go down, and then whap! There's just a goose I know. in your face. 
That wouldn't happen to me because I hate roller coasters. How do you hate I'm, roller coasters? I'm just a chicken when it comes to that stuff. Really? I, I went to Valley Fair when my kids were little, and they forced me to go on them. I'm like, oh, God, I hate this. I just hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Really? Yeah. What, what is it about it? Just you don't. I like think I'm going to die. Pretty oh, sure. really? It's a complete sure. lack of any control at all. Okay. So yeah. I'll tell you a nightmare, right? I go, and this is a real story. When, um, about five years ago, I took my boys to California. Mm-hmm. And we were going to hit up uh, Wild Mountain. Or is that what it's called? Well, or Magic Mountain. Death Mountain. And we go to Magic Mountain, and we get on one of the rides. And it lays you down. So you... It's like a luge? In and then it... And it, so you're, you're facing the ground. Oh, good. And it's like a harnessed one, right? And I'm like, okay, this is cool. And we're we're joking around. I said, boy, this would be the worst time for zombie apocalypse because right now we're just a buffet, a, a dangling right. buffet. We get out of that ride, and that was a spooky ride. I will admit it, the way it was set up, because you just when you launch, it's like you have nothing around you, feeling like you're in a car. Nice. Then the next ride we get in, it, the harness comes up over the top of your head and clicks down, right? Right. And they go, all right, everybody, and it clicks, and everybody's talking, and then they. The one comes in behind us, and the green light goes, and mine goes chink and unlocks. Huh? And I go, hey, huh? and I can't raise my hand because it's like, and I'm like, hey, hey, unlocked, unlocked, unlocked. And they're uh, all looking around. The guy goes, relax. I go, relax. relax. Yeah. My, my thing just unlatched, and I'm about to go on a corkscrew. So they come over, and they click it down, and he goes, you'll be okay. I go, I think I want to get off. Yeah. They're like, no, no, we're, we're good. I'm like, no, I think I want to get off. Boom, and they shot us off. No. I didn't get a choice. That for me, this the thing is about exactly roller coasters, why I'm scared of this stuff. Yeah. The thing about roller coasters for me is the fact that, I mean, which ones are being maintained by the 16-year-old stoner? Yeah, because well, I'm sure it's some the of them. Fair. Yeah, no, the no. One, you have, have to be an 18-year-old stoner. I've read the <laughs> yeah. read the pamphlets. Have you seen the one at the top of the stratosphere in Las Vegas? Oh yeah, stratosphere. people pay to do. It's a, 50 a literal st- stratosphere. No, it's. A, oh, it's I was a, gonna say. It looks like the Space Needle. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a hotel casino, but it looks like a, I see. a modern thing. Well, they have got a death ride at the top of that. Well, they've got two now. They've got oh, that, good. and then you can bungee. And why wouldn't you want to off jump the, off something off the top 50 of stories high? I think it might be surrounded by that. concrete. It's huge. I love how roller coasters. Yeah, you're uh-huh. You know what? The roller coaster at New York, New York, in yeah. Vegas, might be the worst roller coaster ever created. It shook me so hard. I had a migraine for two days. I don't know. And now brain I, think, damage? I think you only, yeah, I honestly, it sh- I was rattling and shaking so there, hard. There's one in Valley Fair and it was like, like that, too. It's like the bucks. sawmill or something, and you go over railroad ties and just about blows the fillings out of your teeth. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about the high roller, the big white one? No. I can't remember. I know the wild mouse, I think it used to be called, or the something mouse. This is like a lumberjack Was really kind of banging you around, too, yeah. Something. I'll, I'll stick with Camp Snoopy. <laughs> There, that's been out of well, I guess now they've got a new revamped version of that. Yeah, over at Valley Fair, yeah, they're right? bringing it back or it's something. Planet Snoopy. Planet Snoopy. Planet Snoopy. Ooh, yes. It's getting bigger. Now, I've youngest... ridden that coaster quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? The one that just goes in a yeah. circle slowly. Well, there's some. It, it gets banking up about 15 <laughs> degrees in a couple of spots. At, at two miles an hour. You know, if you're standing on the edge of the seat, you could possibly fall off. Oh. It's that dangerous. If there was, if you're sitting on one leg, yeah. standing on the seat, whistling. My yeah. my middle son Charlie, he was tall enough to ride Wild Thing at age five. Oh wow! So he's like, he kind of looking at it. And I'm like, you know, you're tall enough to go on that. He's like, I am. And I said, Yeah. Do you want to go? And he's like, Sure. Yeah. So I brought him on do there, I? and his face was just. I mean, it, like, sunk down into the seat with him, but he loved it, and he's gone on it ever since, so. Wow. More family fun when we return. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. He's here to talk about a great service and an app that you can get because you're a customer of North American Banking Company. It's called XCheck. All right, Michael, my friend, how do you get it? What's the situation? Do I need it? Why is it cool? All that stuff. It's an application that we designed to compete with the national applications out there for person-to-person payments. You can get it at the Apple Store or the Android Store. It's for payments that you want to make when you don't have cash. If you want to pay the kid who shovels your driveway, if you want to settle up a dinner check, if you want to settle up a bet on the golf course, when you don't have cash, you can use the app. The payment will settle directly into the payee's account literally the same day. 
This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker and X-Check? I'm going to get it today. North American Banking Company. Celebrating 20 years of providing a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. Red Hat said it. You give me that funny feeling in my tummy. We're talking family fun, theme parks, rides. I took my kids that same year. We took I took my girls on one trip, my boys on another trip. Because mm-hmm. the girls were younger. The boys wanted to go to the superhero theme parks. My daughters wanted to go to Disney. Yeah. So I figured let's just break this thing up and it'll, you know, I can give more time to individual kids that way. So took my boys to Magic Mountain and Universal Studios, then took my girls to Disney and uh, California Adventure, and we we went on the Did you have to Twilight take Zone Disney loan or something to afford no, that? No, well it was the year I was on TV, so oh, I was okay. making some good money. All right, some good bank that year. But uh, yeah, I, I also have friends at Disney, so they're able to scoop ah, me I in see. sometimes for free. The, uh, the sons of the mouse discount. Yes, yeah. I, I know people. Okay. I, I have connections at all the major theme parks, but. Uh, <laughs> I took him to that Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, uh-huh. and the, the girls are like, what is this ride, Dad? And I go, oh, they're going to take us to the top so you can see the entire park. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. And my my older daughter, Kayla, is like, Dad, you're horrible. <laughs> and I'm like, I think I'm hearing the screams. And they're like, what's that? And I go, that's just the people on the they're roller coaster so are so excited. excited. And they like, oh, okay. So we get in there, and they ding, 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 ding. And, you know, the elevator doors open up. Yep. You're seeing ghosts and weird Twilight Zone stuff. And they're like, oh, this is cool. Dad's into the supernatural. This is awesome, right? We get to the top, and then they're like, wow, this is so beautiful. And we drop, and and they get down, and my daughter Ripley has got a death grip on my arm. And her eyes are so huge. I looked. She looked up at me as though, Father, you've betrayed every right. bit of honest trust I've ever had in you. But it was well worth it. We did it again. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, well, you signed up for the second one. Well, the first good. one, well, you know, they realized they could survive it. Right. And then, then they were all about the thrill. But uh, that one, see, I'm not a big fan of the ones that just drop you at yeah. unbelievable rates. There's the, that ride at Valley Fair, too, where it kind of takes you up and then plummets you, or yeah. you can be rocketed straight up into the air. I'm all for being shot up fast. I see. It's the falling down that's the painful part. Yeah, that's the uh, power tower. Going up. What yeah. are you going to hit? Air? Yeah, I'm fine I suppose. No, I don't. I don't like that ride. The seats are very small on it. <laughs> I feel. I don't feel. They're secure. small for you. Yeah. 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 Really. How oh like one thigh I've got right. in the seat. <laughs> now my my buddy Jeff Belanger just turned forty four yesterday, so he decided to go jump out of a plane. Which I guess. <laughs> See, I that's what's. Or there, this is a, opens up a big can of worms. There's a lot of things that are weird about me, but I was a pilot for a long time. Never bothered me. Really? I learned to fly when I was in my twenties, and okay. Yeah, it, but the whole power of tower terror mm-hmm. death ride 2000 ninja star stuff and i think it is a control issue and i i've never parachuted before but i've considered it mm-hmm. and i that doesn't seem to bother me but just the thought of doing some of the things that you describe i'm like Hmm. Not, yeah. not comfortable. Well, so, yeah, he jumped out of a plane. He had to do the tandem jump. Yeah, that's how you start. Usually. And he said that was really kind of uncomfortable because you first of all you got to waddle over to the door, and I'm like, well, what's it like? Just you know, talk yeah. me through this because I've wanted to do this. My grandfather was a, a paratrooper. paratrooper in World War II, oh, 82nd wow. Airborne. Yeah, he did three of the major four drops. That's rather uh, was a dangerous occupation. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was. <laughs> he broke his leg once falling out of the plane because his parachute didn't open properly. 
And then there's a great book. In the 82nd Airborne book, you see a picture inside the plane. And there's a picture of my grandfather, and he's got a big cigar hanging out of his mouth. And I showed him the picture. I'm like, hey, there you are. He goes, yeah. He goes, funny story is, I was so nervous about the jump that I had that cigar in my mouth. And when I jumped out of the plane, it went right up and hit my parachute and started my parachute on fire. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So I've I've always wanted. Jimi Hendrix in the 82nd? He might have been. He was a paratrooper. Yeah. I think he might have been, yeah. But uh, so I've always thought, you know, it'd be cool to jump out of a plane. So walk me through it, Jeff. Jeff says, well, you get in there, you get connected to the guy. He's like, all right, you know, first up, we've got a couple of individual riders who are just going to jump, and they're on their own. Uh, But when it's our turn, we got to move quick because we have all these other people, and we've got a short window to get everybody out. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. And he says that he gets up there, and he goes, and it's okay till that door opens. And he goes, and I th- I'm pretty sure the ground looks the same at 30,000 feet as it does from 15,000 feet. And he goes, and I just bow, oh, no. And he goes, but you don't have that choice anymore. And he goes, and the guy goes, don't jump. I'll just push you. Which oh. would make me feel worse because I guess if you jump and you're in tandem, there's an awkward, oh, yeah. awkward couple of moments there. But he launched out of the plane. And I said, well, did you enjoy it? He goes, well, you know, it's cool. They, they did fly me through a cloud. And I said, oh, could you feel it? You know, was it like, well, you know, not necessarily. <laughs> I don't know if his mind was really calibrating yeah. what was going on. And uh, he said, but it was kind of cool to kind of not just be flying through a blue sky. This gives you perspective right. as you hit the cloud and go through it and come out. And, and they videotaped it all. And he said it was really, really kind of an astounding deal. But he said, you know what? I'm glad I did it. But if they would have said, let's go up again free. Let's go right now. Oh, no, I'm done. Yeah, that was it. And, but he did then uh, acquiesce and say, but like, if you wanted to go up, I'd go with you. And I'm like, all right, well, let's go up and do this. I said, yeah. now, did you, how did, how did you feel about it? You know, was it scary? Oh, dude, it's terrifying. You are falling at, at the earth. Yeah, at yeah. like 100 miles an yeah. hour until they pull that parachute. And then he said, and, and the, the uh, camera guy, the camera operator, has jumped out in front of you. And he goes, then he's flying out there filming you. And he does some move and starts launching himself at you. And all you're thinking is, oh, no, get the hell away. Yeah. Right? And it's, did you see the footage of James Corden and no, Tom Cruise? I did not. Oh, you've got to watch it. If, if the listeners haven't seen it, James Corden from, what is it, the late show? Late, late show? Yeah. yeah. Whatever the show is. He's on. Uh, he went up with Tom Cruise for the launch of the new Mission Impossible movie, and they both jumped. Yeah, I don't think I'd hang out with Tom. He's crazy. Well, he comes flying over to James Corden, and he, like... <laughs> Grabs onto James Corden's hand, and James Corden pulls his hand away, and he's like shoving Tom Cruise away in midair. And, and Jeff said, "Yeah, it was that same thing." When this guy came up, and he's like, "High five me!" He's like, "No, don't touch me. Just yeah. I don't want any extra weight. I just want to be left alone." I get uh, that. Would you do that, Andy? You think you'd jump out of a plane? Uh, if the parachute was guaranteed to open, sure. Okay. All right, so you're well. Yeah. Should we do that as a podcast venture? Yes. I don't think it would we sound can... very good. I'll run the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sound of my jowls flapping on my ears. I've wanted to do that for a long time. I just when you, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to do it for sure. Mm-hmm. But after I've had children myself, I'm kind of more leery of yeah, jumping out that's of a true. plane. See, and like, it's funny now, as the older I get and longer I get married, I'm more willing to jump out of planes. <laughs> yeah. What does that say about life? I don't understand it. I'm kidding, honey. She's you right better next be. to you. Oh, she's. <laughs> I'm in the room. <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, I, I would love to try it, I think. I, that'd be something I'd like to knock out of my wheelhouse. 44, he did it. I'm going to be 51 this year. Maybe this is my chance. I just don't know if I want to jump out of a plane in November. Yeah. That's When's probably your a little cold. It's 22nd. Okay. I get to share an anniversary with the death of John F. Kennedy. Yeah. That's always been a pleasant shake as I grew up. Well, it's not like it was your fault. No, I know that. <laughs> or was it? You weren't even alive. No, but I am the or reincarnation of Kennedy. Yeah. You are? I'm going to explain the headaches. Oh. oh. oh still too soon? <laughs> too, too soon. soon. Oh, <laughs> boy. But, uh, yeah, November. So my, I think I don't know, maybe my birthday might land on Thanksgiving this it year or next year. It is Thanksgiving this yeah. year. Which was always kind of a cheat when your birthday yeah. falls, falls on a holiday. Happy like, birthday. Here's a drumstick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have fun with the turkey this year. Mm. What? No. Not oh. like that. <laughs> Where do you buy your turkeys, Sarah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm going to stick birthday candles all on the turkey. There you go. Nice. Uh, thousands have been evacuated as a 550-pound World War II bomb has been found. Huh. We don't know where that is at this point in the game. A huge bomb dropped during World War II has forced the evacuation of thousands of people. 
In western Poland, as authorities began a recovery operation in a nearby river, local authorities in the city of Glogau stumbled on the explosive by accident. While sanitation workers were clearing the Oder River the, uh, that passes through, the find prompted an immediate recovery effort on the city promenade two weeks after a similar incident west of the city. Several. So do they not go in their own waterways? It's, what, 60, 70 years since know. World War II? 80, isn't it? And you don't know that you have giant World War II bombs sitting right off your your port there? Seems don't know. Several workplaces on Ostrotumski side, as well as the archaeological museum and the power plant, were closed for the time of bomb removal. Police officer Lukasz Szklowski told... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I nailed that one. Yeah, Polish no, name. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, Good accent, too. Thank you. Yeah, told a uh, public broadcaster on Polsky Radio. He estimated that up to 3,000 residents were affected by the clearance operation, many of whom the authorities transported to a school outside the evacuation radius of uh, by bus. The 550-pound bomb forced the closure of nearby rail lines and boat traffic through the river as a crane pulled the large explosive out of the water. So, how much like could they the pay you? Crane operator. Yeah. Wait yeah, a minute. What is, how much do they pay you? We to evacuated be the guy everybody that from the 15 mile area. Apparently, that's the fourth bomb they found this year in that region. Holy I have God. a feeling so... it's his face would be like, you know, when you do those toy crane things and you have one hanging by just, yeah. and you're just like, oh, hurry, 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 hurry. <laughs> Honey, I think there's a like little difference between a... having a, uh, a Pikachu stuffed animal you're trying to get and a 550 pound. Hey, when I'm stuffed 40 bucks in one of those things because my kids want a Pikachu. Oh, my God. Oh you're not allowed God. to touch our money anymore, ever. <laughs> 40 bucks. It's like playing Operation with the tweezers. <laughs> That's the fourth bomb they found? How is this sweep not being done better in so, populated areas? Good question. And Again. I wonder... Well, well maybe, maybe toss- they did them over the years. Who knows? It's, it's just... Well, apparently not well. They just found four in it's the last... Poland. Oh, that's true. <laughs> what are they going to do? It's the, Poland. They don't have the technology, I guess. <laughs> the I mean, these are the guys that went up against... The Nazis on horseback. Remember that? Yeah, true. 1939? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get the cavalry out. Um, well, well, I yeah. guess we'll just surrender. Apparently they weren't good at paperwork trails and yeah. making sure that all stuff was accounted for. The Army is going to take charge of the unexploded ordinance and detonate it at a training ground. Although successful, right by the, horse barn. the bomb clearance is unlikely to be the last of its kind in the city of Glogau, which suffered heavy fighting during World War II, being almost destroyed by the end. Another bomb from the wartime period of roughly the same size shut down a part of the city last month, Karol Skonkwanski said. <laughs> <laughs> An official at the Glogau Crisis Management Center, uh, that this type of incident was becoming a regular occurrence for our citizens. This is the fourth case in the area during the last year. You know, it makes me wonder, if they're that big and they're that close, if one detonates, will that send another one off? I don't know. Because if they're strategically placed, are these just these bombs are that hit and don't bombs? go off? Yeah. How does a 500-pound bomb hit and not go off? Soviet-era technology. Uh, yeah, it could have been one of ours, too, because a 500-pound bomb is about half the size of this table. <sighs> Undetonated ammunition from World War II very near, or near very populated areas and occasional problems for a handful of countries across Europe on whose territory much of the war was fought, including the conflict's most aggressive military force, Germany. The German city of Paderborn, southwest of Berlin, had to evacuate 26,000 people in order to safely dispose of a British bomb from World War II back in April. While less than two weeks later, the capital's own main train station was forced to close over a similar incident when authorities discovered unexploded ammunition near the building. Wow. Again, how does it get that far along and not, we, we don't know about it? I don't, yeah, you'd think they'd like keep track of where they dropped bombs. Yeah, or, well, even if, if you didn't keep track of it, I just can't believe that they haven't done better sweeps of the area. Yeah, and how are I you don't know building how to keep that track close? of them. I mean, these guys are flying around at night and getting shot at yeah. and just go, all right, let them go, boys. They didn't really have, you know, computerized technology back then. But but since that time, yeah. we've found ways to find bombs. You would think so. Echolocation, or yeah, maybe you got to be careful with sonar. Would sonar set off a bomb like that? And how I... unstable do they have to be after being submerged? 
Yeah. For for seventy years, seventy. I like plus the way years. you asked me. Like I have some possible chance no, of just knowing throwing, the answer. Throwing it out there is a, a question. Wondering. No, it is, it is a good question. That's for a uh, bomb expert. For a bomb, <laughs> bomb expert, I've got to guess that's. I wonder yeah. if they're finding any from World War One. That that'd be interesting to find out too. Well, they they you know there was that show that was on a while ago that was uh, my left my left leg. <clears throat> right. No, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was the ex pro wrestler who used to go dig up people's yards. Oh. And he had the, they'd go out there and he'd say, you know, we believe that your property is pretty rich in this. Do you mind if we sweep? We'll split with you whatever we find. And then they'd go out there and they were finding unexploded cannonballs. Oh, and wow. Hmm. What people don't know. See, I never realized that they exploded. I just thought they came but through just, and did damage. Yeah. But you find them and people are digging well, up from concrete. from the Civil War, yeah, they right. blow up. I think in the pirate or the, the yeah, they were just balls. they were just balls yeah. of steel. Well, right, that was just to take down the yeah. other ship. But right. the, the ones they were launching on the land yeah. were yeah, those Yeah, in the Civil explosive. War, no, they were explosive. But they're still digging up underneath concrete patios. They'll, they'll go to resurface and they find an unexploded... Uh, cannonball, and some of them are like, "Oh, we found a cannon." They dig it up, and boom! Oh, yeah. Off it goes. Oh my wow. God! Can you imagine? Yeah. To get, in your patio you explodes. You could call it my left leg. Then would it be mm. then? Would you then be considered the final casualty of the Civil War? Mm. Two hundred years later, something to consider. Yeah, Let's, uh, I think you would actually technically have to fight in the war to be considered. But you'd be a casualty of the bombs. What still? if you shot know. at the cannonball and it exploded? Paul Seaburn, our guest, when we return, stay tuned. This is The Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I'd been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it's as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it because I have a pretty big melon, pretty big head, and my pillow will prop it right up. I can get my neck aligned and I sleep very well because of it. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for my listeners. My pillow is offering buy one my pillow and get another absolutely free. Don't delay. Order now. This offer expires August 1st. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146. Use the promo code TOM or go to MyPillow.com, but make sure to use the promo code TOM. Call 1-800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority's also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers, come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. We're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader filling in. Tom will be back live in studio on Monday. Our guest joins us now, Paul Seaburn's long, strange, mysterious trip to editor and writer at Mysterious Universe and host of the What in the World podcast began with a career in tech support, management, and sales for two successful computer industry startups. He's a lifelong love of comedy, which led him to try stand-up, but his talent for writing resulted instead in a second career, penning jokes for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Comic Strip Live, and many other top comedians. He's got a book out called A Wife's Little Instruction Book, Your Survival Guide to Marriage Without Bloodshed. Please welcome Mr. Paul Seaburn. Hi, Paul. Hey, Dave. It's great to hear your voice. Great to talk to you again. Um, yes, <laughs> Marriage Without Bloodshed, that's a good thing, isn't it? I would hope so, yeah. Now, you've you've <laughs> written, and I want to kind of talk about your, your comedy background in this, uh, writing this book and, and doing the work you did with Leno. When you've written jokes for comedians, how how hard is it to differentiate a joke between writing for men and writing for women? Is there a big big break in the way you have to set the timing or the, the pace of the joke? Uh, well, good question. Um, the timing, no, not really. You know, the, um, 
you know what timing works. Uh, good timing. Right. <laughs> I can't, it, it's pr- pretty much what works for men works for women. Um, I've actually written for a number of women, um, uh, starting with Joan Rivers, who uh, gave many, many comedy writers their start. God bless her. She really did a, a super job for comedy. Um, here's my secret. Um, so everybody put your ear close to the radio. Um, (laughs) I was, (laughs) two things. Number one, uh, my middle name is Michael. So my initials are PMS. So you could say that it's hereditary. Um, but the real reason is, um, uh, when I was doing stand up, I like to do self deprecation jokes, you know, jokes about what a dumb guy I am. Right. And that's what female comedians like to talk about. What, how dumb, dumb you guys are? men are. Yeah. <laughs> so I pretty much all I really had to do was change the I to these guys or men, and boom, I'm in the business. And was it, you know, to, to get a chance to write for these comedians and then watch them go out and either live or bomb on your words? It, I mean, is, is that an excitement and a thrill? Do you, did you ever cut a joke that you're like, God, this is, this is awesome, and, and they love it, and then they get out there and there's nothing, crickets. All the time. <laughs> it, that comes, that's part of the business, Dave. Um, I was I was uh, lucky enough to have have done some stand up, um, so I knew what they were experiencing, and that really um, influenced me to be meticulous with the jokes that I was writing for other people because I know that feeling of getting up there and and believing, uh, even if it was somebody else's joke, that, yeah, this is going to work, and then it just falls flat, and that silence is deadly. But on the other hand, the, um, the, the excitement that you feel when you, when you get a laugh is like nothing. Um, there, there's no drug. There's no alcohol. There's nothing that can quite compare to, uh, to, to getting laughs on stage. It's really a, a, a thrill. And it's the reason why so many people um, want to do it and why comics, there's comics that, that I've worked with that are in their 70s. Um, they're still dragging their butts on stage because they love that feeling. So um, I, I can understand that. And, and I take that extra time to make sure that, um, um, you know, I doubly believe in, in a joke. It, it, it would work for me. It would work for them. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about your book, A Wife's Little Instruction Book, Your Survival Guide to Marriage Without Bloodshed. It's a hilarious guide to surviving marriage. It's filled with advice for both men and women, like never marry a man who refers to the rehearsal dinner as the last supper. Oh, my God. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's you know, Winnie. I, I, <laughs> that's one that all the ladies laugh at. I, these are, um, I, I will say that... Um, the joke has been on the or the the book has been on the market for some time. Still available on Amazon. If people come to see me at the appearances I do for um, Mysterious Universe and some of the others, um, I, I do have the books available for sale. So, uh, uh, but but they are available on Amazon. I wrote many of those jokes since we were talking about writing for comedians for a comedian by the name of Diana Jordan, uh, and I'll I'll tell the uh, the story. Uh, I opened for her at a hotel comedy club. Um, while I was on stage, she was in the bar with my wife and my wife's best friend, crying her eyes out because she had just broken up with her boyfriend. And my wife tells the story. She says at one point, all of a sudden, she stops crying and listens to my act, turns to my wife and says, I like that joke. You think he'd sell it to me? And my wife, the smart lady that she is, said, Sure. How much? <laughs> and, and that was that was the beginning of my comedy writing career. And Diana, we're still friends today. Um, she she tries to take credit for my uh, for my long and illustrious career as a comedy writer. And if, if that's what she wants to do, and I get to work, that's good for her. Um, we she was um, opening for Engelbert Humperdinck. She was on the road. You, everybody. Went, does anybody remember Engelbert Humperdinck? Yeah. Um, Doug is quietly I, nodding he's his still head. Still alive, still working. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, um, she was in New York and uh, having dinner with him and his agent who worked for William Morris. And uh, she and I had already always talked about writing a book together. She pitched a book idea to him. Two o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call from Diana saying, hey, they're interested. 
get everything you have together and send it to me tomorrow. <laughs> so it, it took me a little while to pull together, um, you know, the many, many jokes that, that I had written for her. That is, in, um, in, in light of your, your previous question, didn't work well on stage, but we still knew were good jokes. They, they read well. And um, put it together, got it uh, to the agent. It was uh, published. We went on to sell over 100,000 copies in the United States. It was published in England, um, Turkey, China, and Poland. Um, and there you go. I, my wife and I went to Poland um, uh, after the book was published. We um, I got a chance to meet with the, um, uh, the, the publisher who was in Warsaw, I think, and the um, editor who was in Krakow. So we got to meet... Both of them had dinner with them. They they put us up in really nice, um, nice ethnic hotels, and uh, and told me that, um, that the book did well in Poland because um, jokes about relationships and jokes about men and women translate well. Everybody has the same dumb issues with with men, especially. And to prove it, uh, I went on a couple of bus tours while I was in Poland, and I took a bag full of books in Polish. And uh, the dumb, uh, you know, look, looking like a dumb American tourist in my shorts and black socks and, and sandals, I go walking up and down the aisle of um, the buses, passing out copies and asking women to read it and let me know what they thought. And my wife will vouch for this. Virtually every woman found at least a couple of jokes in there that made them laugh out loud. So uh, there you go. Not a bad way. What's some of the, the killer advice you, you put together in the book, Besets? <laughs> D- ditching the guy who calls the uh, reception dinner the last supper. Yeah, killer advice. Uh, it marriage without bloodshed, Dave. So That's there's right. no bloodshed. There's no killing involved. <laughs> my wife reminded me of this one. I know she was uh, she was anxious to listen in. Um, a man, let's see, this was, a man will always choose a truck over a woman. Trucks don't mind being pickups. They come with their own bed, and they don't have a handbrake. Um, older, <laughs> older men are like used cars. Body shot, rear ends dragging, and they can't keep the hood up. Oh, knock it off. <laughs> this is what happens when you marry a younger woman. <laughs> I know you could put a tagline in there about uh, smelling like gas, too. <laughs> Oh, um, stop it. All right. <laughs> Good God. I'm finding out more about my wife's thoughts on me than I care to know right now. Here's one, um, <laughs> Winnie, if a man gets sick, he always tries the same three-step step treatment. Sex, booze, and sex, in that order. <laughs> oh, uh, you're God. striking too many chords in my life. Get out of my uh, head. I know, yes. Yeah. Yeah, women outlive men. Um, and it's a good thing they do. If men could live longer than women, it wouldn't be much longer, just until they ran out of clean underwear. <laughs> Who wears underwear nowadays? All right. Oh, this is, this is more than I wanted to know. Uh, <laughs> You're not alone. Look at how uncomfortable Sprinthal's wiggling in his chair like a third grader. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, now, you've been doing this, too. I'm curious, how much do you get paid when you sell a joke? I mean, is it is it a killer deal or no? It was you know, it's a two second joke, David. You know, I make ten bucks, or or are you making yeah. a grand a joke? Good question. I um, I'll, I'll tell you the many people have written for Jay and and have talked about it. So uh, it's a pretty well known fact that when when he was on the Tonight Show, he paid fifty dollars a joke. Um, I've been paid more than that, but that's pretty rare. Uh, now at the other end, when I first started in the business. Um, and, and we're on radio now that you know what a show prep service is. That's a, yeah. uh, a company that sells, uh, material to, uh, you know, morning shows, news, funny jokes, song parodies. I've, I've done all that kind of stuff. First time I, I, uh, worked for a show prep service. I will never forget this. I wish I would have taken a picture of it. I, I, if I, if I remember correctly, I think I mailed the jokes to the guy. So that's how dated they were. Mailed them to him. He circled the ones he liked in red. And next to each one that he liked, he stapled a dollar bill. And that was my pay. Wow. <laughs> nice. $1. And I was thrilled. You know, that, that was, that, that was um, 
you know, my assurance that, hey, somebody likes this joke and I actually got paid for it. Do, do you ever uh, write something runs, that's so good it, that it, you just want to keep it for yourself and you don't sell it? No. See, I don't. That, that's the difference between me and a comedian. And it's why there's so few comedians that um, are consistent joke writers. You know, they'll they'll write for a friend. Um, but but generally, they if you go into the business of writing jokes for other comedians, you pretty much get out of it yourself because um, that's the feeling that you get. Wow, this is a great joke. I don't want to sell it to so-and-so. I'm going to go and do it and, and put it in my act. I have no act, Dave. I'm, um, you know, I'm just sitting here in my underwear, um, writing jokes all day for for whoever. Oh, really? Sprint all no wiggling, knowing he's just sitting in his underwear, and that's okay. But at least uh, he's wearing underwear. Well, there's that, I guess. (laughs) I can't see him, man, or smell. Uh, Let's. uh, We're we're running out of time. A couple of minutes left together. Mysterious Universe. Introduce the audience to Mysterious Universe and how they can uh, find you there. Oh, sure. Uh, MysteriousUniverse.org. Mysterious Universe is one word. Uh, it is the, uh, for one of the leading uh, providers of information on the paranormal. Uh, we do, and, and, and pretty much current news. If you're looking for current news, that's my side of the uh, Mysterious Universe offering. Uh, on the website, I write about uh, what's going on in the world of paranormal, from UFOs to cryptids to everything in between. We try to be entertaining as well as informative. Uh, if you like podcast, the uh, the two guys that started it, Ben and Aaron, they've been doing podcasts for 10 years on, again, the mysterious side of, of the world. And they're very funny guys. I love working with them. Um, and and hopefully they love working with me. I've been doing it for five years now, so I think that that might be a good sign. Um, MysteriousUniverse.org uh, is the the website and all of the information on how to how to listen to the podcast, the free podcast, or to subscribe is available there. Uh, we're we're pumping stuff out every day. We're on Facebook. Um, I just did a story just five minutes ago about the um, the New Horizons. Space probe, NASA's New Horizons space probe, is going to a space rock that is nicknamed after a um, the um, uh, it was it's called Ultima Thule, I believe is how it's pronounced, and it's a uh, it's a mythical land where it's believed that the Aryans, uh, the Aryan race, descended from. So it was very popular during World War II in Germany, and somehow <laughs> NASA NASA decided to run a contest to name this space rock, and that's the name they ended up with. Um, go yeah. figure. Yeah. I, 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 I attempted to figure out how it happened and what it means. So you have to go to MysteriousUniverse.org to find that out. And, um, very, and hopefully you guys there's a cover, little humor in there, too. You, you cover a, a lot. Very funny. There's some great point, posts on there. And then you've, you cover a lot of just the strange and anomalous and bizarre stories, so go check it out. You can also hear Paul on my show, Midnight in the Desert. He's on with me the first Monday of every month, and we'll be discussing uh, updates on the strange news of the last month that have come across the boards. So, Paul, thank you very much for uh, stopping in and spending some time here today. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Dave. Looking forward to uh, getting back together with you at midnight, first Monday of the month. All right. Talk to you then. A Wife's Little Instruction Book, Your Survival Guide to Marriage Without Bloodshed. Paul Seaburn, we will be back right here on the Tom Bernard Show.